0: Tom. (laughs) How's everyone doing? Yeah? All right. Hey, are there any first through eighth graders here with us? Any hands, first through eighth graders? All right. Awesome. Thanks, guys, for being here. We are so happy that you are worshiping with us. I don't know if if the rest of you know, but today is a family worship morning. We do this every once in a while throughout the year. And uh, this is important. This is so important that we worship together. Uh, with all ages, generations, because each one of us, our voice added together to glorify God is a beautiful, beautiful thing. Now, parents, I'm going to commit to sticking to my time here this morning, okay? (laughs) Because I know it can be a little hard, but it's so valuable, so valuable that uh, we are together during these times as well. So thanks guys for, for being with us this morning. So as we've been going through Romans, um, we are learning a lot about God, about ourselves, about God's purpose to save. We started all the way at the beginning in Romans chapter 1 that we are not ashamed of the gospel. and this whole series we're called Unashamed because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. And we're learning about that. We're learning about what is this good news of Jesus? What is the gospel? And thank you, so many of you wrote definitions and sent those in. Uh, uh, Bill and Nick and I all sat around a a table this week and we read through each of those and it was so encouraging to hear many of you write down how the gospel has impacted you and how you understand what Jesus has done for you and your life. So thank you for taking time to do that. But that's one of our... Our, our prayers through this is that each one of us would have a deep and personal understanding of the good news that this message about Jesus is for you and, it's, and it's, a, it's a message that's good for you and for our entire world so last few weeks ago as I preached I said human glory is fading glory but God's glory is an increasing glory in the first part of Romans we saw our human condition and, and yet we have this longing for glory we 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 do all kinds of things and we're we're so interested in music and art and athletics because there's a there's a glory to those things and and it's a good thing but it's a fading glory it's not a lasting glory but God's glory is an increasing glory and it's that glory that we long for that's that's the human longing is for true beauty true lasting glory and this this glory is God's and he is sharing it with us that's part of the good news is that God is sharing his glory his beauty his strength his joy with us this morning as we make a transition from justification towards sanctification we're going to be looking at hope hope it's a word that we hear a lot use a lot but it's a powerful word for under, understanding this glory that God has and that he's wanting to share with us. And it's the movement of our hearts towards the glory of God. Would you open your Bibles to Romans chapter 5? And we're going to start reading in verse 1. And so if, when you find it, if you would stand up and it will also be on the screens. Let's stand together in honor of God's word as we read Romans chapter 5 verse 1 through 11. character, and character, hope, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. You see, at just the right time when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly, and very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die, but God Not only is this so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. You may be seated. Thank God for his word. So whenever you see in Romans this word, therefore, Paul is building upon what he has already shared. And we have just finished a whole section uh, remember, we looked three weeks at our condition, our human condition of fallenness, of sinfulness. And then, and then in starting chapter three, we were introduced to justification, that we too can be made righteous. We too can live the good life with God and others. And we are made righteous through justification to the work of Jesus on the cross, through his resurrection, we are given a new life. And, and the only way we can access this faith or this grace, uh, is through faith. (laughs) Did I mess that up? (laughs) The only way we can experience this is justification by grace. And this is what uh, Nick talked about last week, our faith. This being fully persuaded that God has power to do what he has promised. And so this salvation, this justification, isn't by our work, it's God's work. But we respond in faith. We believe, we accept, we trust what God can do. He has power. He can do it and he has promised to do it. And so now this word therefore says now that we have been justified through faith. Paul in a sense is giving a summary of where we've been. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So justification gives us what? Peace peace with God and others peace is a precious precious thing and God has given that to us there is nothing we can do to earn that you can't make that happen in your own strength it's impossible it's only by God's grace that we are given that that is justification now Paul is going to introduce a new thing because salvation has two parts to it justification and sanctification and so for the next weeks and month we're going to be deep diving deep into sanctification now this is the practical outworking of salvation in our daily lives because this morning we can all sit here and know I am justified I am righteous and I am made clean I am forgiven before God amen praise God that is beautiful truth that we can celebrate but what does that mean For raising my kids, for being married to my wife, for going to my job each day, all the responsibilities and things that we face in every day, that is sanctification. The outworking of this salvation in our lives. And so therefore, we have gained access by faith into this grace which we now stand. So we stand justified. But now, how are we going to live? How do we live? Well, Paul introduces this whole section in verse 3 with an amazing statement. He says, he says, and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. See, sanctification is boasting in the glory of God. This is a beautiful verse, and I want to dive into this and with you guys this morning. Now, just think with me. What do we, what do we talk about? We talk about a lot of things. We talk about a lot of things every day every week there's a lot of words that come out right (laughs) out of each of us now Jesus makes an, an interesting statement he says what comes out of our mouth is a reflection of our hearts so the bible says words are important they're not just empty things useless things that are just thrown out there no they're powerful things they're things that reflect our hearts who we are where we belong who we are and so when he talks about boasting in the hope of the glory of God, he's talking about a heart that's been transformed. He's talking about a heart that's reflected in speech and what we say. It's an interesting practice to think back through the day of, what were all the words I used this day? That can be a painful thing to think about. There's many days where I look back and I say, I wish I wouldn't have said that to my wife or to my kids or someone else. But the good news is God is transforming our hearts. And instead of hurtful, empty words, we begin to reflect words that what glorify God. Words that boast about God's glory, about that increasing glory. And so our words become life-giving. And so what will we talk about? What will we spend our time reflecting and talking about you see this encounter with Jesus changes everything we can't help being the same we can't help talking about the same old things that everyone else talks about no we have a new speech we have a new boasting that takes place in our lives that comes from our hearts and this isn't forced this isn't just religious language I remember I went out to uh, go fishing with my father-in-law and my brother in law is down in Florida And the guy who took us out was a was an old sea guy, kind of weathered by the the storms of life and many things. And he talked like a sailor, you know. There was just (laughs) every other word was a curse word. And and you know we were just you know enjoying the beautiful day out in the ocean. And and then he started asking us what we do. And he found out I was a pastor. And and he got religious really fast. (laughs) It was amazing. It was like, it was like, man, he talked about going to church and all the good things he had done in his life. And I was like, whoa, (laughs) what happened? (laughs) You know, that's not what this is talking about. This isn't just a show. This boasting in God's glory comes from who we are. We can't help but talk about it because it's, it's our, it's our, it's our joy. It's our delight to talk about God's glory. And so if we have an encounter with Jesus we can't be the same we can't talk the same then we get to verse 4 and 5 Paul introduces something that's hard starting in verse 3 he says not only so but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. And, and maybe like me, you're like, why is he introducing suffering here? I mean, we're talking about glory and hope and, and the good things of, of a new life in Jesus. And then he starts talking about suffering. Because here's the truth, and, and I hope this didn't happen to you, but sometimes we present the gospel in such a way that we say, you know, everything's going to be better with Jesus. Your life's going to be better. It's gonna, everything's going to go good and smooth. And how many of us know that's not true? <laughs> how many of us know that even knowing Jesus, there is still trouble, there's still suffering? And the Bible never promises the suffering free life. And, and, and if, it's not if you're gonna suffer, it's when you're gonna suffer. That's part of life in a broken world. We will all suffer and we all have suffered. And so suffering is a part of life. And being justified with Jesus does not remove suffering, from our lives, And there's many false teachers out there who, who claim that, that somehow we can be liberated from suffering. And that was never the promise of Jesus in this life. Now there is a day coming when we will be free from pain and death and tears. Suffering will be banished. And that day is coming. But until that day we suffer. And that's why Paul says there is suffering. But it's a different kind of suffering now. Something's changed. Our justification has changed the way we suffer. What does he say? Because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. Now the last few weeks we've had some teachers preachers up here. A few weeks ago Dave Westergaard, last week Nick, last night I heard Evan Hayes preach downtown. Now, each of these men, as I've gotten to know them, I've, I've fallen in, in love with them and just enjoy being with them and doing ministry with them. But what I've discovered in each of their lives, they have suffered greatly physically. Each one over the last few years, some of you know their stories. Each of them have suffered huge trials physically in their lives. But here's what I love about spending time with them. These guys are being transformed by Jesus. And so instead of despair and complaining and bitterness and anger, What's coming out of their lives? (laughs) These things, there's perseverance, there's character, and most of all, there's a hopefulness. There's a joyfulness about life. Even though several of them will never be able to do the things they used to be able to do. They won't be able to run or climb or do the things they used to enjoy. They've lost something deeply personal and wonderful in their lives. But what? They have hope. (laughs) They have hope. And that encourages me because that is the work of Jesus, of the Holy Spirit in their lives, and not in their salvation of not only justifying them, but also sanctifying them, making them new and giving them a new way to go through suffering. And I, I'm sure we can go around this room and we can talk about the hard, difficult trials that we've gone through. All of us have terrible things, but it does not destroy us. It does not shake us in Jesus because what God is working out that suffering to produce something a greater glory an increasing glory in our lives that that the trials of this world cannot take away and so this true encounter with Jesus gives us that hope that the presence of God is with us we need the gospel every day it's it's this this relationship with Jesus, this this reality that we're made new with Jesus that isn't just for when we first believe, but every day we need to be reminded of the good news that produces hope in our lives, that gets us through suffering and the hardship. And what does he say? And hope does not put us to shame. There's no shame in this because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. The presence of God with us. There's nothing greater than, In the presence of god with us how many of you have been through a difficult time and at just the right time a person comes to be with you they don't come with answers they don't come with with a a preaching at you they're just there and you know that they love you have you experienced that i've experienced that and, and and even if we haven't experienced that on a human level what god is saying is is god is with us and he's the greatest presence He's the most important presence in our life. And when He's with us, when His love is being poured in our hearts, we can get through it. (laughs) We can suffer well. We can suffer with an increasing glory because we know that God is with us and He's redeeming and He's saving not only us, but the whole creation. Starting in verse 6, we see that God's love is demonstrated to us on a cross. I remember... Um, working in Colorado Springs. I was saving up money so I could marry my beautiful wife, and we were engaged, and she was in Chicago. I was in Colorado working a landscaping job, but um, that year, I just felt like God gave me a ministry to be a minister in my company that I worked for, and I just want to say to you who, who work in, in, in business or in other industries, God has given you that as a ministry. Don't, don't waste that Time spent in your life. Most of our lives are spent working. See that as God's calling on your life to be a witness, to to be a representation of of God's glory, increasing in those places. It's a beautiful thing. And over the course of that year, God gave me many opportunities to talk about Jesus. In fact, sometimes people would avoid me, but the other opposite would happen. People would come to me with questions. It's so interesting. And one day, the, the I was with the the owner of the company, and. And she was very skeptical about life. She had been burned and just seen a lot of brokenness in her employees and things. And, and, and she just, she looked at me and said, I just don't think people can change. I think people are either bad or good and they're just, they're, you know, she had lost hope basically in this life, in this world. And she had lost hope that people could change. And it gave me an opportunity to share my story with her that, that God had changed me that He had transformed my life. He had had taken me from brokenness and sin and moved me into a a hopeful new reality of new life that that gave me great optimism, not only for my life, but for others and that that God is working, He is changing things. You see, our world is full of lack of hope. And a lot of times the world is, is skeptical and critical because they have lost hope, but not us. Not us, we are hopeful, people, and and this hope is based on the work of Jesus Christ, because it says God's love is demonstrated. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. You see, what helps us understand hope is love. Love is what we long for. I told you a few weeks ago, I talked about a cross demonstrating justice and love, that God is perfectly just. He's also perfectly love. We have this deep need for love, but we lose hope because we've been burned by others, and we think we've been burned by God. Many times people think that God has left them or abandoned them, but the good news is Jesus hasn't. (laughs) That even in their sin, even in their ungodliness, even in their weakness and powerlessness, God was thinking about them at just the right time. And so the good news is when people have lost hope when they think this world is unchanging and, and, and it's only dark and only despair, it's, it's this good news that just the right time when we were still in that condition, God thought of us and he moved in such a way to do something for us, he died for us. That is love. This morning we're thinking about Memorial Day this week and tomorrow. People men women in our country who who have laid down their lives to serve and we say that is love right because they're willing to sacrifice their life for our good for our freedom that's love and we see here that christ is the source of that kind of love the sacrificing the self-sacrificing kind of love that lays down our life for someone else but he says this is a different kind of love because he says sometimes people will die for good people Right? You might die for one of your own kids or your spouse, right? You, you might think about that. But God demonstrates his love in this, that while we were still sinners. Does that amaze you? Does that blow you away? We're talking about when we were enemies of God. When we hated God, when we did things that were against God, that is when he died for us. It's hard to understand this without thinking about this on a human level. And um, when I married my wife, I married into a a family that demonstrated a a radical Christian kind of love that Jesus demonstrated on the cross. Her uncle took us to Ecuador, I think back in 2003, 2004, and we were in the middle of the Amazon and we were sitting with a group of five old Waldani warriors sitting on a bench and and he began to ask them their testimonies of how they became to know Jesus And each of these men talked about the darkness in their hearts How they were angry How they were moved to violence and how they killed people over and over and how eventually they even killed five young American men who were there to share the love of Jesus and Jill's uncle was there translating, and his father had been one of the men killed by those five guys. So he's translating for the five guys that killed his dad. But what was interesting, as these guys talked about the darkness of their hearts, they began to boast in the glory of God and the hope of the glory of God, because they said, "We used to live that way, but not anymore." now we have love in our hearts and so now instead of killing we give instead of of hate we have peace instead of of vengeance we forgive their lives radically changed what happened because after those five people were killed one of their wives and rachel saint went down and they began to share the scripture and the good news of jesus with these people They sat across the very men that had killed their husband and brother and they said jesus doesn't doesn't condemn you he saves you he died on a cross so that you don't have to live in violence anymore that you don't have to kill you can live a new life and we forgive you because jesus forgives you he forgave us while we were still enemies of him and you know what he's doing the same for you and these guys saw that these instead of taking vengeance forgave and they loved and they sacrificed their lives for their good that's what Jesus does I was there a few years later and and one of the warriors who had killed the the missionaries we were hanging out and he had his great-grandkids there running around and, and and his grandson was there and he said you know what In our culture, this would never have happened because the homicide rate was so high that that everyone was killing each other. There were no grandparents. There were no grandparents. But today, there's great-grandparents, and there's peace, and there's joy, and there's hope. Where does that come from? It comes from Jesus. He makes new things. He gives us a new life. That's sanctification. He gives us a new way to live and some of those very people who had been violent killers sent missionaries to other tribes and they too were killed sharing the love of jesus do you see what happens transformation change and it's all rooted in what jesus did he demonstrates his love because we don't know how to love on our own. We're selfish beings, but God intervenes in our lives. And so instead of selfishness and pride and and hatred, he demonstrates a new way, a new way to live, a way of love, a way of love that's not based on what people do for us, but just loving them because they're people. (laughs) Because that's how God loves us. He's not impressed with our attempts, our show, he wants our hearts, our lives, and He was willing to lo- die for us. So, verse nine through eleven: since we've been justified by His blood, how much more are we saved? And so, of enemies we are reconciled, and now we have this relationship with God, and now we boast in the glory of God. This week, I was uh, reading Jonathan Edwards for another purpose. It wasn't related to this message at all, and. Uh, he wrote a sermon about, um, out of Isaiah, and I want to read this to you. I was moved this week by these words, and, and particularly how they relate to this passage, because God's work in our lives is meant to overflow, and so what he's done in our hearts by justifying us, by sanctifying us, can't remain in we have to talk about the glory of God and I love what Jonathan Edwards says he says this excellency of Jesus Christ is the suitable food for the rational soul the soul that comes to Christ feeds upon this and lives upon it this is the new life sustained by Jesus it is the bread which comes from heaven of which he he eats and we will not die. It is angels' food. It is the wine and milk that is given without money and without price. It's given to us. And this is the fatness in which the believing soul delights itself here, and the longing soul may be satisfied, and the hungry soul may be filled with goodness. The delight and contentment that is to be found here passes understanding. It is unspeakable and full of glory. It's impossible for those who have tasted of this fountain and know the sweetness of it ever to forsake it. The soul has been found in the river of water of life, and it desires no other drink. You see, everything else pales in comparison with the glory of God. It has found the tree of life, and it desires no other fruit. Secondly, the manifestation of the love of Christ gives the soul abundant contentment This love of Christ is exceedingly sweet and satisfying It's better than life because it is the love of a person of such dignity and excellence If you think about who died for us The creator of the world, the son of God, the king of glory He died The sweetness of his love depends very much upon the greatness of his excellency So much more the lovely, the person, so much more the desirable is his love. How sweet must that love be of the person, be who is the eternal Son of God, who is of equal dignity of the Father. How great a happiness it must be to be the object of the love of him who is the creator of the world and by whom all things consist. Did you think about that? to be the object of that kind of love, of that kind of person, who is exalted at God's right hand and made, heaven, made head over principalities and powers in the heavenly places, who has all things put under his feet. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords and is the brightness of the Father's glory. Surely to be beloved by him is enough to satisfy the soul of a worm of the dust. You see, these precious benefits that Christ bestows upon his people and these precious promises which he has given them are the fruit of his love. And here's, here's the key with this passage. And it produces joy and hope. And these are constant streams that flow from this fountain, from the love of Christ. As the worship team comes up, I want to encourage you this morning. If you're here and you need prayer, the Holy Spirit is here. And the Holy Spirit works through people. And so the elders are going to be up here, standing up here. And if you just, you just want to pray, maybe you just want to praise and thank God. That's okay. And you want to do it with someone. Or maybe you have a need. Maybe you're suffering. And know that God wants to pour his love and hope into your heart this morning. So don't, don't miss this opportunity. And so I'm going to invite the elders as we sing. And if you would come on up.